for uh, four years ago. And so that was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, letting us go. We'll probably try to go again in two years. Uh, but it was awesome. Awesome time for our kids. Um, a lot of fun. I know that the holidays can be a real mixed bag, so to speak, for a lot of us. Um, you know, you may have that crazy uncle that's just funny or maybe a little abusive. Um, I don't know what, you know, what the holidays were like for you, but it's also good that we have a spiritual family that's natural. Did you catch that? We've got a spiritual family that's natural. We love each other. We care about each other. We're here for each other. Um, and we enjoy being together. I was really glad to see uh, some of the social gatherings going on and whatnot. It's awesome. It's really good stuff. Uh, we want to um, congratulate Justin and Becky on their big news. I don't know if you guys did that last Sunday, but they're... No? Okay, but you broadcasted on email, right? I'm not making a mistake here. Oh, good. Okay, so they are expecting uh, an, a second baby. Let's uh, congratulate them. We're really, really happy uh, about babies in this church. I think one-third of our church is babies. <laughs> There's not anything wrong with that. God said be fruitful and multiply. All right. Um, I'm so glad uh, to be here with you. Let's, uh, let's pray over our time in the Word real quick, um, and I'll jump in uh, with a story and as we turn to Matthew chapter 4. God, I thank you that you are full of love and mercy, and that you have chosen to show up and reveal yourself to us so that we can learn more about you and get to know you better. Help us as we go to the scripture today to get to know you better and to discover the change that is in us ready to be unpacked. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, when you're with family, uh, you take a lot of pictures, right? Especially if you haven't been with family for a long time and you like them, you take a lot of pictures. Uh, and some of you may be familiar with the term photobomb. Uh, I was looking at some family pictures. A photobomb is when somebody who's not supposed to be in the picture is in the picture. Okay, if you're not familiar with that, you're wondering what on earth does that word mean? It's when somebody who's not supposed to be in the picture is in the picture. So I was looking back to some family pictures and actually from a couple of years ago um, on a visit with my parents, we were um, at kind of a big outdoor retail space, which is not my favorite place to be. Uh, and there was a movie theater, big mall, lots of shops um, around. And we hadn't seen my parents in quite a while. We only had on this occasion, we only had about 48 hours together. And so we were uh, trying to get a picture and we asked this guy to take a picture of us um, as a family, my parents, Rebecca and I and the kids. And so he was taking our picture and he was kind of taking his time and unbeknownst to me, he had a friend who was coming to meet him at the movies who was coming from a distance and saw what was happening and like came up and kind of made in the background of our picture a funny face and kind of photobombed the picture. The only two pictures he got with my parents. And, you know, that's funny and frustrating because I can't look at that picture of me and my family without focusing on this guy who I don't even know. I never even met. I didn't even realize it until much later because at first I just, he's kind of in the distance and at first I just looked at the picture on my phone. It wasn't until I opened it up on my computer that I was like, what is that? I want to um, talk as we go to the scripture a little bit about focus. Uh, when, you, when you see a photo bomb, your focus is all of a sudden not on what the picture was supposed to be, but 
I understand. I understand. Um, your focus is not on what the picture is supposed to be. Your focus is on something else. And I don't know if the holidays or New Year's kind of brings you to a place of realizing that life is now not about what it's supposed to be about. Or my affection, my Twitter patient, my heart attention, my, my love. My heart's not really kind of where it's supposed to be. So let's talk about uh, the good stuff. So we as a church are here uh, to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. It's, it's why we exist. Um, and it's what we try to do. And to that end, uh, let me just, if I may, just kind of refresh our memory a little bit. Jesus said in John 3.16, God so loved the world. Yes, there is a God. One true living God, the God above all other gods, the King above all other kings, one true God who created this earth and the universe and the galaxies. I watched a movie with that old song uh, about Major Tom and saw these pictures of space and all these things. I love pictures, pictures from space. I don't know if you realize, but the Hubble telescope that takes pictures of galaxies is controlled from a building right on the other side of this green space here. And they're actually looking to put the the office for the astronomers that will control the new telescope that will be launched this year in this very building here in the rotunda. They're going to be the new offices that control the new telescope. When we look at pictures of space, we are reminded of how very small we are, how very big God is. And when we reflect on God, let us reflect on the truth of who He is. He is full of love. The first time he came down and described himself and his name in Exodus 34, he said, I am full of love. I am overflowing in mercy and truth. And when Jesus described this, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus was describing a God of both mercy, meaning he, because of Jesus, did not punish us the way that we do deserve And that he is a God of grace, meaning that because of Jesus, he gives us good that we do not deserve. That's our God. That's who God is. He's a God of love, of hope, of peace. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has started. Let me get to the right place. In verse 17, Jesus has started to teach everywhere he went. He started to teach, repent and turn from your selfish ways. Paul writes in Philippians 2 that we should have an attitude like Jesus who was not selfish. Jesus calls us to repent from selfishness, but he also then, Matthew chapter 4, in verse 24 He healed them all. We're not called to a miserable life. We're not called to a God who just tells us to tough it out. We're called to a God who heals. There's this occasion and we see Jesus healing them all. And 
what Jesus does is important for us to observe and to inform our view of God. And then what Jesus says. Now, then in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see this longer talk that Jesus gives. And in this talk, we starts with the blessed are the. God, in other words, God blesses people who are da-da-da-da. And as Jesus now has their attention because he's healed everyone that was sick, how many of you know that would be an attention getter? Right? From your pinky toe to your hangnail, if Jesus came through and healed everything, everyone, that would get your attention. Now, when Jesus has their attention, he begins to talk. And one thing that I like about read through the Bible in a year programs, you know, I use the Bible app and I read through the Bible in chronological order, which is a little weird, but a lot of fun. Um, you, when you read the Bible in bigger chunks, you get more of the main point from the story. A huge mistake for us is to just take a question from culture, Google it, and then at the very end, Google the Bible verse and just read one phrase. Huge mistake. Don't do that. When I want to learn more about God, when I read big chunks of scripture, I get the plain, simple truth that's obvious. And when I learn from the plain, simple truth that's obvious in Scripture by reading bigger chunks, I can't help but come away from Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with the understanding that Jesus is shifting their focus away from the don'ts of the old law and towards heart issues and the question of where are you setting your affection? So we, um, as we have done each year in this church, uh, are going to spend three weeks at the beginning of this year, starting uh, tonight, tomorrow, depending on whatever you choose to do, uh, through Sunday the 25th, when we'll have a church lunch to celebrate our fourth anniversary as a church with a party. Uh, we have three weeks to start off the year with a focus on prayer. Why focus? What is so important about focus? Well, I'm really glad that you asked. Your focus determines your direction. Your focus affects your quality of life. Whatever your heart is focused on, your life will be focused on, and this will determine much of what becomes of your life. The reality is, and, and, and Joy even referred to this in her story, when I realize that there's something broken in my life, when I focus on God and the truth of who God is, even just the simple reflecting on who God is, there is like an earthquake, like a fundamental, like deep down, like we had some stew this past couple of weeks, so like the meat was in the bottom. You know, you got to like stir that up. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. It's the good stuff is at the bottom. It's in there. When I stir that up, when I stir up the good stuff of God, my focus shifts instead of from my enemy who has tried to photobomb my life to my God, who is the one who is in control, who is the one who heals my diseases, who is the one who has provided me from the very beginning. That's our God. But where my focus is, is very important, very, very critical. Now, blessed are the, and then in Matthew 6, I want to, can we go to Matthew chapter 6? Let's start in verse 30. Is that okay? Everyone doing all right? 
Oh, talk to me now, man. Did I come back to a different church? Come on, talk to Okay. Matthew chapter 6, let's just lift a couple of things that Jesus says. And I kind of like how on some Sundays we lift from bigger sections. So you can read the bigger sections on your own, but we kind of want to make sure we're not pulling them out of context. Okay, good. All right. So Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 30 in the New Living, these are in red, so that means Jesus is the one talking. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. You know that God created and designed flowers and birds? Past couple weeks I saw a couple of hummingbirds. Beautiful, amazing. God created every living thing with design and with purpose and with care. And he provides for every living thing. He cares for you. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Now, most translations will say, seek first. And in the street Greek, which is what Jesus spoke, the street Greek, Jesus uses this word seek in first. And the word first is not just first in order of appearance, like the letter A is at the beginning of our alphabet, the number one, people normally list first, not zero. Right? So Jesus uses a word that's not only first in order, it is first in order, but it is also a word that means this is something, hey, pay attention. This is something Jesus is saying within this word, pay attention. This is something that is more important in value. It's more valuable, it's more strategic, it's more important than the other things that are available to you in your life. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God should be the first thing, which is kind of where we get this tradition of meeting on a Sunday morning. It's supposed to be the beginning part of your week. It's kind of a old symbolic. I don't think, you know, if we needed to meet on a Sunday night or a Saturday night as a church, that wouldn't bother me, but that's just where the tradition comes from. That at the beginning of the week, I'm going to give the most important part of my week to God following the Sabbath principle, which is something that we all can learn from rest and honoring God in our rest, faith in rest. There's a fun thing you can study, a great way to know that God is for you and Jesus leads the church for your benefit. So at any rate, Jesus is saying, seek first. Yes, it should be the first thing that you should do. In other words, um, let me back up and slow down a little bit and use an example. Uh, For me, my parents taught me how to use money, but they were having other problems with me, and so that lesson kind of didn't get much attention. Anyone know? Like, I had some issues, all right? And they were trying to make sure they didn't lose me entirely. You know, I had some near-death experiences. I had a few people I know that died. You know, know, that's a story for another day. So the, the whole lesson about using money they started and then it kind of never really got put in me all right and so what i learned pretty quickly as a college student who i earned all of the money to pay for my college my tuition my books everything except for my car insurance my parents paid my car insurance because if they hadn't i wouldn't have got through college and i'm grateful for that 
because of my other issues. So um, quickly, in working two jobs usually and going through an average of 19 credit hours per semester over four years of college, and I pulled a 3.8, thank you, Jesus, after being a C student in high school, um, you kind of start to learn like money just goes... Anyone with me? Like we, this is the right time of year to say that, right? This is money. Where to go? The money's gone, right? And it's really easy to like you get into life and and you make a decision about about uh, if you're married or single. You make a decision about where you live. You make a decision about where what you drive, what you wear, what you eat. You make a lot of decisions, uh, really not thinking about money. And then it's like, holy cow, how do I pay for those decisions? Okay, so maybe that was just me. And how I lived and how I learned how to use money. Jesus, and in Scripture, if we look at Scripture, Jesus actually um, teaches, and the Bible actually teaches a principle that's very different from that uh, when it comes to money. And it's also different in how we set our affections on God. And that is a value-based method. I make a decision, what do I value the most? Now, for most people, their biggest expense is where they live, their rent or their mortgage. And then their second biggest expense is normally their health insurance. Then their third is normally their car. And then fourth might be eating out in video games. I don't know. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's your first. Okay, so what God teaches us to do is to make a decision on my values. What do I believe? What is most valuable to me? And then I make decisions on how I spend my money how I spend my time, how I spend my energy, my affections, my emotions, based on what I value. And the truth of the matter is, is that if we open your checkbook and open your schedule and look at how you spend your time and your money, we'll, we'll, we will see very clearly what you really value. That's why giving your money, giving your time, giving your energy to God is not because God needs it. It's because there's a huge benefit in us learning how to live according to values. Okay, you guys are looking like you're bummed out by all this adult conversation. Okay, so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And you notice that this is to the big crowd. This isn't the private conversation between he and just the twelve. This is to the big crowd that gathered and he healed them all. And this was before he started to say more difficult things when many of them left. And so to the big crowd, to everyone, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Right? And you notice that it's, it almost uses some conditional language as well. But I just want to seed you with the thought that there, is, there are some things in your life that are more important than others. Okay? So I received a video game as a gift. I got a little bit of time to play it. But I'm not bummed out that I didn't get a lot more time to play with it because I spent a lot of time with more important things which were people. Little babies that don't know that I might want to play this game, right? Literally, like all these babies that were born since we moved to Baltimore. So I, I wasn't bummed about that because like, man, these ba- they, they're not going to see me again for two years. You know, they don't know, right? Some things in your life are more important than others. Can we agree? Right? So Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is more important than anything else in your life. Not my words, these are the words of Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God first. Now, in this context, in this chapter, he uses three phrases that are the same way. 
when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Okay? When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And Jesus um, is referring to what should be the normal life of Jesus' followers. Okay? Now, I put up just kind of a summary for you since I knew we wouldn't have time to read the whole chapter today. And what Jesus says about when we give our money, which is what he's specifically talking about, and when we pray, which is what Jesus is specifically talking about, and when we fast, which Jesus is specifically talking about, Jesus says, don't do it for show. Each time he gives an example, don't do it just to show off just to try to prove that you are a good person. Don't do it with that in your heart. Jesus Jesus has shifted the focus. He already did the, you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill. I say that if you call your brother a fool, you've already killed him in your heart. You have murder in your heart. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you should not commit adultery, meaning sleeping with someone else's spouse. I'm saying you shouldn't look at somebody else with lust in your heart. Jesus is shifting the focus but he keeps coming back to what's in their heart. Serving God is about what's in your heart. So he's saying, when you do these Christian activities, don't do it for show. Don't do it for show. Now, some of you know that I've spent some time in different churches around the U.S. of 48 of the 50 states at least a week and every about a couple hundred churches at least. And I've met a lot of Christians. And I can tell you that with the Christians that I've met, most of them do not do all three of these things. And these are three, three things that Jesus said we should be doing. But how we do them is really important. Are you getting that? What's in our heart? It's not for show. It's not to show off. It's about your focus. What are you focusing on? I should be focusing on God. Do I seek first? And in the middle of all of it, he says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to wear, about what you're going to sleep. Jesus says in the verse we just read, those are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. If I'm focused on those things and I'm stress praying to change my circumstances on those things, then I'm really in my heart not really believing that God is who He said He is. Because if I really believe that God is who He said He is, there should be a bedrock of peace, of hope. Do you understand? So Jesus says, don't worry. Now he says, this is what these three things are for. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. They're a private discipline. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they're between you and God. Now, the Bible and Jesus and Paul do talk about each of these three things as a group as well. And I don't have time to teach on that. In this chapter, Jesus is focused on the personal, the private. They're also to be done as a group, as a spiritual family. And they're also to be done as a personal interaction. It should come out of a gratitude, as a thank you to God for what He has already done for you through Jesus. Are you with me? That's, that's what they're for. That's how they are to be done. A private discipline, a personal interaction. Now, Fasting, let's talk about that one just real quick, okay? So fasting, which is in the Bible in many occasions, okay? 
Jesus is questioned about why his disciples aren't fasting. The reason that they ask him about this is because there were regular occasions on the calendar throughout the year that the Yahweh, the God followers, would go without food as actually a part of a remembrance of God's providing for them and a continued asking God to change things. So that's a God idea. It's something that he initiated. Jesus did say, they're not fasting right now because I'm here. But when I'm gone, predicting his death, burial, and resurrection, but when I'm gone, they will fast. Fasting is for us today. And if we have never done it before, it's much easier to do it as a group. Now, let me just talk real quick some nuts and bolts about this and what it means. And I'll refer to some resources, which I have posted online and printed out and handed out over the past month as well. Fasting means I go without food. I change my daily schedule so that I spend more time with God. Okay, let me, let me just say that again. There's different ways of doing this, but this is essentially what the Bible word means. The Bible word fasting, when Jesus says, when you fast, he's referring to, I go without food and I spend more time. I change my daily schedule so that I spend more time with God. Okay, that's the basic biblical definition. Now, in the Bible, we see a lot of different kinds and different lengths. In the case of Daniel, in the case of others, it could be for one meal. It could be for one day. It could be for three days, seven days, 40 days, 21 days. There's different ones that are mentioned. And sometimes it's water only and a constant, like not not even working your job or spending normal time with your family, but just praying. Those are rare occasions, but that is in the Bible. And then sometimes it's you're going about your normal life, but you pray more than you usually do, and you just go without meats and sweets, okay? Which is a common practice among Christians around the world at the beginning of the calendar year, to go without meats and sweets for 21 days. So, that's, there's a few different ways of doing it. I don't recommend that you do it unless you make a personal decision. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. It's got to be a personal decision. If it means something to you, it will mean something to God. If it doesn't mean something to you, uh, just don't do it. Okay? We're, we're still going to heaven, still love each other. No one's a second class citizen. But it's really, it needs to be a personal decision that you make. Okay? No sarcasm there in what I just said. You, you hear what I'm saying? Okay? It's not, it's not something that everyone has experienced. It's a little strange, but it is in the Bible, and we're City Bible Church. We're trying to connect with Jesus. This is one of the things that Jesus referred to. So it's a personal decision. There's different ways of doing it. I don't recommend that you do it um, if you're under medical care without speaking with your physician. And unfortunately, this year, this is something that I myself had to do. Okay, so I do recommend that you talk to your physician. That's why the first time I taught on this this past year was the week of Thanksgiving. Um, and Ben and Joe, uh, each uh, quality ministers here in our church, had talked about it a little bit last week. And that's why there's been a post up on the Internet for two months about this. That's why it's been on the calendar for over a year. If you looked at our church calendar on the website, you would have seen the dates for this and an explanation online over the past year. I try to never make this a surprise for you because I don't take it for granted. I know it's not easy, and I know it's something that you need to plan for. And some of us need to talk to our doctor about it, okay? Now, let's set the food part of it aside. The most important part is what's going on in your heart. Right? 
what's going on in your heart. You're making a decision in your heart to be more focused on God than anything else. I know that sounds immensely simple, but it's really important. We can't miss that. These three weeks, we want to be, as a church, kind of raising the spiritual water level of the church, if you will, have a three-week focus where we're more focused on God than on anything else. That's it. That's the big idea. If you've never prayed before, it's a great time to start. If you're a one minute a day, three days a week, let's go to seven days a week for a minute a day. If you're a five minute a day, let's try 10. Do you hear what I'm saying? Wherever you're at, let's take one more step and make this three weeks a time where you're more focused on God than anything else. Since your focus is so very important for you. But remember, it's not for show. It's about your heart focus. It's a private discipline and a personal interaction. Now, let's talk a little bit about what this is and what it does. Just real quick. This practice removes distractions, concentrates your life on God, cleanses your soul and your exchange with God, deepens humility, intensifies prayer, feeds your faith, and produces self-control. When we do this, we see obvious results in our spirit right away. We see a change in our appetite, a change in our devotion to God. It removes clutter from our minds, our emotions, and our spirits. And it increases our sensitivity to God. It's a result that you should see. Now, I know that what I'm talking about is strange. It's different. And it may not be something that you've ever done before. We are not a legalistic church. Hello? right? We are not a legalistic church. Truth be told, there's actually very little that I ask of you during the year. I try to keep our focus on the most important things in scripture. And I can tell you that when I spent time fasting and praying for the wrong reason, because everybody else was doing it, it was miserable. And I don't know that it had any positive effect. So that's why I'm talking about it in this way, because this has been something in my life. And I can stand here and confidently say that I am a more gracious, a more humble, a more peaceful husband, father and servant to you because of how fasting has brought me closer to God and has changed my life. I really am different. I am And I know that I've got my flaws, but trust me, I'm better off today than I would be. Otherwise, I have been changed by what is going on inside of me because of, as a byproduct of, as a result of how God has changed me during seasons in my life. And throughout the year, I do this at many times that you're not aware of. I'll do this on a regular basis and it helps me. It helps me realize where my cravings are in control instead of my spirit being in control. And a lot of times you might have people in your life that are saying things to you that you don't believe about the state of your own person, but it takes something like this to increase your sensitivity when all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, (laughs) Uh, they were right. Uh, I was wrong. (laughs) Or 
I really do need Jesus, or I really do need that small group, or the Purple Book Bible study, or Sunday morning attendance, or whatever it is. I really do need other methods of drawing closer to God, living a more open life so that I can be healed and stronger. Amen? This is one of those things that is a natural decision that you can make that is supposed to be Christianity 101. It's supposed to be the beginning, not graduate school. And it's supposed to have purpose and an effect. So here's what I want to ask us to do, okay? Today, yes, today, during your Sabbath, and I've posted this and printed it. It's been in the coffee shop the last couple of weeks, and I handed it out to a couple of you. It's, been on, it's online. I, if this is your home church, just pray about this. Ask God if He wants you to. And when He says yes, I want you to sit down and write the... I was, just being funny. It's called an assumptive close. A little sense of humor on a Sunday morning. Okay. Ask God if He wants you to be engaged with this. And then ask yourself these simple questions. I think questions are good, don't you? God's not afraid of questions. God uses questions. In fact, Jesus taught a lot through questions. What do I want to be focused on? I want you to write it down for yourself. What do I... You you guys can take a picture of this with your cell phone if you want. It's okay. I know some of you already have when I did this before. What do I want to be focused on? What am I choosing to go without during this three-week window? Okay? It may be different things. It might be all food. It might be just the internet. Um, uh, Some of us have an addiction to certain smartphone news feeds and infotainment, and we just need to spend three weeks without it. The world will go on. You'll survive. I survive. Let's see if you can. Seinfeld reference from an old man. Okay, so... We need to make some decisions. I change my music habits. I change... I personally... I've, I, this has become so much fun for me that I actually change all my habits. I, I actually do. Rebecca and I, we talk about it. She's very grateful. I, I literally change all my habits during this three weeks every year. What is, maybe it's one thing. One TV show or all TV shows. One Netflix show or all of them. Whatever it is, it's wherever you're at. Okay, it's wherever you're at and whatever God is asking you to do. But write it down, okay, so that you're making a personal commitment. January 5th to the 25th, God, I'm going to go without this, okay? What food, activities, music, TV, social media will I be doing without, okay? Now, why is the first question? So you should have a purpose. I want to get closer to God. I want to be less confused. I want to be have more peace. I want prayer to become easier. I want healing in my body. I want to see salvation of a neighbor, a coworker, a friend. Whatever your reason, write down a reason. Why am I doing this? What am I going without? What will I be praying about? Write a list. You don't have to pray about everything every day. Okay, but maybe each week you pray over everything in your list. What am I praying about? And what days and times, this is really important. Please trust me, this will help you immensely. What days and times will I be in prayer and Bible reading? If we don't make this decision, going without food and your normal pleasure stuff that may be good, may not be, you know, bad for you, is just going to be miserable. If I don't make a decision on what days and times I'm spending with God. 
You hear what I'm saying? Now, for me personally, when I do this and I'm not eating, I use meal time. That's a really convenient time. And for me, in our house, dishes is my deal. So when I would be eating or doing the dishes, and we, I still spend quality time with the kids. That's a really important thing for us. Um, around the dinner table, but I'm, I'm making sure that the time or um, when I have worked a multiple different kinds of jobs, I get away from the office during my lunchtime. Now, I'll walk, and I know during the winter this is not really an attractive thing. I actually, and um, sorry, we may have brought the rain with us. Um, it rained almost every day we were in Portland. It was a good thing I prepared my kids for that. Um, when it was raining, sometimes I would literally like go to a different floor in my office building and walk up and down that floor. And after the first day, people didn't think I was psycho. Uh, I was just going for a walk. Um, but I went, sometimes I would go and sit in my car in the parking lot. Uh, do something to substitute the time when you would normally be eating to time that you're spending with God. But whatever you choose to do, write down the days and times that you'll be in prayer and Bible reading. And please do. Reading the Bible is really helpful. You may not know what to pray. Open your Bible and pray that. It's really helpful, especially the Psalms. Just flip right to the middle of your Bible. It's the fast food section. It'll help you. So um, let's stand. And I want to um, read this prayer so that we can just close our time together. Will you stand with me, please? This is really a heart issue. This is really about your affection, about where is your heart focused. Um, Over the years, Rebecca and I have um, helped a, a variety of people with different kinds of addictions and struggles with employment and marriage and other things. Um, I, I have not been brought into a case of a problem in someone's life where they were giving all of their heart focus to Jesus. Give your heart. What is your heart focused on? Do you feel scattered? Do you feel cluttered? What is your heart focused on? If my heart is focused on God, God will not disappoint me. God will not leave me confused. You see, there's nothing too big or too small for our God. You're not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. God created you with purpose. He created you with design. There is nothing too hard for our God. When I set my heart affection, when I set my focus on Him, He will not disappoint me. He is the one that I can count on in which there is always hope. Let's close with this prayer. And I have, uh, we have our info card out there, but I also want to announce, as you will see next week, uh, the three um, categories that we're focusing our prayer on in January. The Day of Hope, which is a ministry to the homeless that we're involved with. Day of Hope. Um, Captivate Church. Our friend Pastor Tolly and Rogers Forge, and the Jaquiths uh, missionaries in Southeast Asia doing clean water and church planting in villages of unreached people in Southeast Asia. So, Day of Hope for the Homeless, Captivate Church, and Rogers Forge, and the Jaquiths in Southeast Asia. You'll get that in the email and in the prayer card um, as well. So, this prayer, let's. I want to close with this. Let me read it to you. God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away 
the guilt of my sin through Jesus. Can we, can we repeat that prayer? Is that okay? That'd be too weird. You think that'll help you this morning? Just why don't you repeat this after me? God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away the guilt of my sin through Jesus. Now, here's the second part of the prayer I want to invite you to pray today. This January 5th to the 25th, I'm going without, fill in the blank. I'm doing this because, fill in the blank, I will be more focused on you than anything else. I choose to live for you. Please speak to me, God. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you so much that you are the one who never disappoints us. That as we as a church focus on you, that we make a commitment that this three weeks we will be more focused on you than anything else. We want to start 2015 focused on the one true living God. We know that as we do this, you will not disappoint us. You are full of mercy and truth. You have a plan for us. You have blessings. You have miracles. You have unexpected goodness in our future in 2015. We thank you for it, for who you are, and for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm so glad that we could be together today. I'm so glad that the Ducks won their football game and that we got to see the Oregon Duck Holodinata come back to the Ravens and they got a win last night. Saturday, 4.30, we face the Patriots. If you want to come over for a party, let me know. Saturday, 4.30, against the Patriots. The owners of the Rotunda Cinemas have asked us for a one-time favor today. Uh, They rented out some of the space today. So at 12 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, if you will help me be cleaned out of the coffee shop, I appreciate it. But we have just under 30 minutes to enjoy each other's company, love on somebody, give them a high five. Give them a handshake. Give them, say, it's good to see you. You lost weight over the holidays. Fantastic. (laughs) Let's enjoy some refreshment in the coffee shop. God bless you today. Grace and peace to you. Amen.